Well, good morning. I hope you're doing well this morning. Uh, my name is Todd. For those of you I don't know, I'm the lead pastor. Really glad that you are here at Hilton Head Island Community Church this morning. If you have your Bibles, you can uh, go ahead and take them, open them up to Genesis chapter 12. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 12 and in Genesis chapter 22 this morning as we focus on Abraham in our series called Steadfast. And over the course of these uh, past few weeks, we have uh, been using uh, Steadfast as kind of uh, part of, uh, you know, kind of like a, a rally call in terms of our journey as a church uh, after all in, but in terms of our, our own spiritual lives, um, that when we often make a commitment to do something that God is leading us to do, there are factors, uh, sometimes people, uh, sometimes circumstances and situations that try to derail us from the commitment that he's asked from us, the thing that he's asked us to do. And so we have, uh, over the past few weeks, taken a look at Nehemiah and what it means to have uh, cr uh, critics and skeptics. Any of you ever had critics and skeptics in your life that try to derail you from what God has called you to do? Last week, we looked at Hannah, and we took a look at when God, or when circumstances come along and try to derail us from what God has asked us to do. And today, we're going to be taking a look at what happens when we feel like God is asking us to do something that is crazy and and how that can easily in our lives just automatically derail us from from what he's asking us to do that commitment that he is asking us to make and so we're going to be uh, taking a look at the life of one of the most famous characters in all of scripture uh, this man by the name of Abraham but before we do that I don't know about you I've loved hearing from other people in the life of our church over these past few weeks and uh, just hearing a little bit of their stories about remaining steadfast and I've got my my good friend Jeff Smitherman that I'm going to ask to come up on stage Jeff uh, is uh, been a part of Hilton Head Island Community Church for the past two and a half years he and his family live in Moss Creek. He is a Marine officer who's based out of Paris Island. 26 years of service in the Marine Corps. And uh, yeah, absolutely. Give it up. He's <laughs> been on several uh, uh, tours of duty, including a combat tour in Afghanistan in 2010. And is, uh, you are the commander of the Southeast Region of Recruiting. At Paris Island, out of Paris Island, and Jeff, glad to have it's you well this done. morning, man. You got have it a seat, all right. man. Yeah, I got you. it all right this morning. I'm kind of surprised I got that right, but we're glad to have you. All your jargon. And I want, yeah, that's right, yeah. I, I figured there are two uh, organizations that use a lot of jargon that nobody knows: the church and the, the military. So mm -hmm. anyway, so we kind of both have some some you know uh, commonality there, man. Uh, Jeff, uh, your your journey uh, in the Marine Corps, 26 years. And, man, I just want to stop and, and thank you so much for your service. 26 years, man. It's a privilege, honestly, to do what awesome, I do. Awesome, man. Well, it's I'm very, very thankful. I know we all are thankful for that, that uh, kind of career service. Um, I would imagine that you've had a few orders uh, along the way that have been maybe a little more, more interesting than some others. Why don't you tell us about some of the more interesting places you've been or orders that you've had from uh, the Marines? Sure. So... You know, we have a term in the Marine Corps, volunteering, and then we also have a term in the Marine Corps called voluntold. Yeah, um, yeah. But uh, I joined the Marine Corps in 1991. I was commissioned as an officer. I was not an enlisted Marine first. Uh, I'd been in for about 10 years. I'm an artillery officer by trade. And, um, and after 9-11, uh, um, we, were, we were gearing up, obviously. We were getting busy. I was not a deployed battalion. We just knew something was going to happen. And I got, uh, I got orders to recruiting duty for the first time. And, uh, and that was not 
that was not in the plan, right? Yeah. That was not uh, in Smitherman's idea of what it was to be a Marine. Uh, if I'm going to go and, and do all the things that I do, I really am not interested in, in the recruiting side of things. Sure. And, uh, and so I think one of the lessons I learned from that was uh, I had a really good mentor and a battalion commander who said, hey, you need to step back. You need to get a bigger perspective and uh, and realize that you know you don't you don't have the bigger plan of things, but uh, in the course of going on recruiting duty for the first time, I really I really found that uh, I was in a different place. I got to see the nation as mm. most people never get to see it, mm. uh, and I got to see Marines in an in an unnatural environment that they were not comfortable with, and uh, and so I was able to to just simply help them. Lead, help lead them through that, um, as well as growing my own faith at the time, because that that was not part of Smitherman's plan for the Marine Corps, right? <laughs> yeah, um, I get it. Yeah, I think I think probably the other time was um, was when I, when I was coming back after after recruiting duty that first time, 2005. Uh, I knew that I was going to go back into the operating forces and uh, deploy to Iraq, mm. and uh, and I had fully trained up. I'd, I'd learned a lot of Arabic. I was I was ready to go drink a lot of chai and, mm. and do that. And, uh, and the, the job that I actually got when I showed up back in the operating forces, uh, I did not want to do. I, I was told that I was, I was going to be the information management officer for the entire Marine Corps operating forces in, uh, in uh, Iraq, and that, which meant I was going to have a lot of web stuff to do and <laughs> applications and IT. And, I'm, and, and, you know, I tried to get out of the job. I was like, Sir, I can't even make my router work at the house, you know, and you want me to go do this stuff. But, uh, but, that, um, but that set of orders and that tour of duty mm. was in a very uh, special time in 2007 in, mm. in, uh, in El Ambar province, and a lot of things happened. I would not have been able to see or contribute the way I did if, mm. I, had not, uh, if I had not been just simply uh, open to executing and doing what I needed to do. It's amazing that uh, I think about you being, your, your background was artillery, and, and they're asking you to, you know, be in charge of information technology, man. I get that. You, you want to blow stuff up. They you needed wanna, a guy yeah, who wanna, at least knew yeah. how to count, right? Yeah. You have to count to be an artillery <laughs> officer. Yeah, that's true. Good point. Good point. So, you know, I think all of us at some point in time, if we're Christ followers, we have this point in time that we come to where uh, our vocation, our career uh, has this intersection with our faith. Right. I, I would imagine being in the Marine Corps, that comes with some challenges. Tell us a little bit about the faith side of your journey there. So, you know, for me, in choosing to serve in the military, I came from a military family. That was not a significant, you know, Abrahamic call like we're mm. going to talk about today to, to go some, somewhere that you weren't expected to go. My, my father served. My two older brothers served. For me, it was really reconciling. Um, can I do this? Can I have this profession in the profession of arms and lead men in combat and reconcile that with being a Christian man? Mm. That, that was early up front and in my face, like, hey, how do you, how do, you do that, mm. right? Mm. And, uh, and I think that that probably carries over to every, every business, every, every line yeah. of work that anybody yeah. does. Yeah. Um, but, but obviously when you're talking about the application of force and the taking of life, mm. you know, some, sometimes within our culture and society, we still struggle with, with, with that, yeah. right? Uh, and, and I think as a battalion commander, I finally recognized how important it was to reconcile that for my Marines mm. and making sure that they understood what their role on the battlefield was mm. in doing that and being able to do it with a good, clear conscience, not with malice, mm. uh, not with hatred, um, and, and within what are the rules that we establish so that they can, they can work that. But, you know, the Marine Corps really 
I think the Marine Corps probably has two, two impressions that most people have of it. One is the institution, mm-hmm. which has a tremendous amount of, of public support, right? Pro- very recognized for its integrity and, mm-hmm. and, and everything else. And we see the Marine in blues and he's slaying dragons on the commercial, right? And you think <laughs> of the Marine Corps that way. That's right. and, and then there is, there is the persona of the Marine Corps, which is hard fighting, mm-hmm. hard drinking, hard living. I, I just assume kick you in the teeth and shake your hand just to make sure you yeah, know I'm, who's in charge, right? I'm getting a little scared and, right now. And so, <laughs> but, and, and so, and so how, do you, how do you stay true to what are your biblical principles yeah. And, yeah. and live in that environment? Yeah. And that's something every person has to reconcile personally. Yeah. So for me as a young Marine, as, even as an officer, I, I really had to get serious about my faith to understand, hey, is, is, this, is this compatible or not? So how did you do that? You know, like I'm going to ask you to drill down a little bit on that. How did you day by day? And yeah, he, he gave me permission to, to be tough in this interview, by the way. So that's all right. All right. I've already had permission from uh, the, cur- the, the colonel here. Yeah, yeah, yeah just right kick me in the teeth. That's fine. Uh, so how, how did you do that? I mean, what were some what were some things that, you know, kind of guardrails that you had, checkpoints along the way that you had in your life? to help with that reconciliation, as you will. Because it's not consistent. You read the teachings of Jesus and, and how we're supposed to love others as ourselves. Right. That's not exactly, I wouldn't imagine that's the first thing you heard. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, so how did you do that? So it was scriptural, right? Yeah. I mean, I had, to, I had to get serious about my faith, and I had to study the whole word of God and understand, mm-hmm. you know, what is that about, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it's, not, it's not as easy or as simple as finding in Matthew where he says, hey, if you got two cloaks, sell one and buy a sword, right? But I was like, okay, well, there's something there. No, no, it's it's much more than that, right? It's really about, um, it's really about uh, the centurion, right? Mm-hmm. That Christ doesn't tell the centurion, hey man, you've got great faith. You got the best faith I've seen around here lately. Get out of the Roman army. Mm-hmm. No, he didn't say that, right? He sure. said, do what you do with faith. And so, and so, um, so I think I, I had to really get serious about understanding God's word, mm-hmm. and uh, and applying it in my life. I very I was serious and, and blessed early on to find that there were one missionaries to the military, mm. so folks like navigators now mm. called crew, yeah. they have a mission uh, to the to the military. But even within within uh, the, the the military itself, there are believers, yeah. right? So you got to find those believers mm. and you got to band band together. Iron sharpens iron, mm. you know. And uh, and I think for me as I. As I continued through my career, especially as an officer, I was like, hey, I've, I've, I've got to lead. Yeah. Uh, so I've got to lead in my faith and personally in the same way that I'm called to lead by my commission and the authority given to me by the commandant and the president. Mm. Um, and so you got to be real, right? you gotta, yeah. you got you to be real about it. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, two of the things that I heard is, you know, find other, find other Christ followers. You know, wherever you are, find other Christ followers. And then just a commitment to Scripture. Uh, just a commitment to, to knowing God's word and learning God's word, uh, you know, uh, getting your strength for the journey from, from the word of God. And uh, I just think that's so important. You know, I, there's a question we didn't talk about, but I'm going to go ahead and ask it. So, um, you know, what, when you receive orders, and it's not exactly Smitherman's plan, you know, it's not Smitty's plan, what do you do with that? What's, you know, how, how, do, you handle, how do you handle being, being told, because you're not really asking the Marines to, to, you know, go somewhere or do something, how do you handle that when you, you know that you are supposed to respect the authority that's there, um, but at the same time, man, it doesn't really jive with what you want, you know, and what yeah. you desire? So there's a couple of different aspects to it, right? There's always the unlawful order, yeah. which is the one that you're called to, 
decline, right? Sure. And that's that's where your real fiber gets tested. But in terms of getting orders to go be the information management officer <laughs> of two meth forward, um, you know, you could, you're volunteer. You can volunteer. You can be voluntold. You can also the third option is vote with your feet, right? Which is get out. <laughs> and th and that's all, that, that, that's always real. But yeah. but more than anything, for me, it's been about reconciling with my faith of hey, mm. am, am I in control mm. here or is mm. is this part of God's plan? And I don't see the next turn. But, but I'm going to be faithful and go. And, mm. uh, and I, I think I could probably just give you one other example of that if we got time. But yeah, yeah absolutely. You know, we, we came here. I, I've got 26 years in the Marine Corps now. I, I could easily retire. And it's, it's kind of trying to find a, um, find a way to get off the merry-go-round gracefully at ah, this point. Yeah. And, uh, and we love Hilton Head. Mm. And, uh, and, and all my friends know, you know, I'm, they're, they're throwing anchors out for me. And, uh, and they're like, hey, man, just stay. <laughs> just stay. Yeah. And I would love to, and uh, and and I asked. Uh, I had a conversation with my boss, and he was like, hey, "I'd like for you to go do this one job. Do you want it?" And I was like, "Yeah, I'll do it." And I didn't think I would get the job, hmm. and so uh, so the Commandant of the Marine Corps selected me when I was ready to go uh, to go up uh, this summer to the Naval Academy, and I'm going to be the senior Marine at the academy, and so I'll have uh, I'll have a chance to. Um, to hopefully be an example and mentor and lead mm -hmm. young midshipmen, um, not just mm -hmm. the ones who want to go to the Marine Corps, but the Navy as well, sure. but be able to, to, to live out our faith as a family and, and show them an example of how do you, how do you be a professional officer and reconcile your faith. Uh, so that's, that's where that's we're going. That's a great opportunity. Isn't that incredible? As much as I hate that you guys are going to be moving to Annapolis, I'm excited about what God's going to do in, in your life. What would you say to those who are out there and they're teachers or they, they work in, you know, or in landscaping you know, here in Hilton Head or they're um, being called to, to you know, switch vocations or jobs right now, maybe companies, something's going on. And what God is asking them to do seems a little nuts. What, what would you say? How do, they, how do they remain faithful and steadfast in your book? Man, God orders our steps, right? I mean... Um, so the circumstances you can never we can never look past God's omniscience mm. or His omnipotence and understand better what He has in store for us. I, I think for me, it's a matter of just being alive in my faith mm. and being true mm. and um, abiding in His Word, mm. not not going to find His Word to find what the answer I want to you know like hey this <laughs> told me to take a left turn at Albuquerque no. It's really about um, about really being being alive in my faith and knowing that He's going to prepare my way, mm. and um, mm. and so letting those circumstances dictate, right? He's I mean, in control. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, following Him just never, recognize, just never recognize is be the faithful wrong way to, to go. It. Yeah, that's yeah. good, man. That's good. Right. Hey, thank you so much for you being bet, here bro. today. Thanks for your service. Why don't you get up for Smitty? Thanks, bud. Thanks, man. Appreciate it very much. I love. <laughs> I love it that um, Jeff talked about orders, because sometimes, let's face it, we get orders from God. It may not be, you know, uh, you know, marine orders where you know we're told to go into recruiting and we don't want to do it, or, or it may be that you know, like he talked about being in information systems and it's just not something that really you want to do, you like to do. It's in your skill set. But there are times in our lives, Christ followers, where God is going to give us orders. He's going to tell us to do something. He's going to ask us to, to follow him in obedience. And remaining steadfast is going to seem just nuts. It's going to seem crazy. Like you figure if you say yes to this thing, 
that God is asking you to do publicly, you're going to be shamed. Like, there's no way. I cannot believe it. Abraham was one of these men, and I was thinking, Jeff, about the kind of the, the idea of you've lived in so many different places. And I would imagine that Abraham, at the point in his life, we're taking a look at two situations in his life. In both of these situations, I would imagine that he felt a little bit like, man, we just all we do is we just stay on the move. He lived a bit of a nomadic life. And, of course, many of you know Abraham as the father of, uh, of the Jewish nation. He was the father of Abraham. We sing about it as kids. We learn about who Abraham was, but we really don't look at what happened in these two specific orders that he was given by God and how he remained steadfast. I want to take a look at it today. Genesis 12, 1 through 4. Now the Lord said to Abraham, he said, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house. And God says this, he says, go to the land that I I want you to say that next word with me. Will show you. Some of you are like, why did you have me say will? Because it was something that God wasn't going to reveal to him yet. I want you to go to the place, go to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, this great uh, covenant that he makes with Abraham. And I will bless you and I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing to other people. I will bless those who bless you. Uh, and to him who dishonors you, I will curse, God says. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So Abraham went. So Abraham went, in verse 4. As the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him also. Abram was 75. I keep saying Abraham. It was really Abram at that time. He was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Now, I want you to know that Abram had already been moved from Ur of the Chaldees, which is about 900 miles, about a 900-mile journey, in a place that wasn't too far from where you were there in Afghanistan uh, and, and in Iraq. And, and he went from this place called Ur when he was young. His father moved there because God told them to move there. And they had established here. And, and he and his family, had, had we can gather from Scripture, that they had gathered quite a bit of wealth, that they were people of prominence they were people of importance and and here abraham is 75 years old 75 and god asks him to make a journey of about four or five hundred miles and if you've ever seen the picture or the cartoon or the flannel graph or whatever it was that you've seen you see abram on maybe a horse or a donkey or you see him kind of riding something on down into canaan down into the promised land and then eventually he goes to egypt and the story is just incredible but i read one commentator where he said the animals weren't for people on these journeys the animals were the ones that carried their stuff they carried the possessions so you know what that means for the people? You know how they got there? They walked. God asks a 75-year-old Abram to walk four or 500 miles to Canaan. And when Abram said yes to God, he didn't have clarity on all the orders yet. He didn't have all the specifics. He didn't have everything lined up perfectly. I heard someone say to me this week, uh, 
uh, you know, if, if you got to go get a, um, a gallon of milk in downtown and uh, you wait for all the green lights to turn green, you, you'll never go to get the milk, right? Abram goes before he has really any specific information at all. God says, go to the place that I will tell you. And so Abram here moved. He left what was known in order to follow God into what was unknown. He went from a place that was home to a place that was foreign, from a place that was really familiar to a place that was strange, to a place that he had great wealth to a place that potentially could have been a place of poverty, from a place of security to a place of risk, from a place of safety to a place of great danger. Once they got into the promised land, they encountered the Canaanites, these great enemies of his people. It went from a place of comfort to a great place of pain, from friends to foe, from family to enemies. And this was a difficult order that God had given him. But I want you to capture the picture that when God said go, Abraham went. He left. He put one foot in front of the other and he began to walk. Not knowing exactly where he was supposed to go. And we might think, you know, like Abraham needs some severe like counseling here. He, he needs some help, right? He needs therapy. In fact, there's a place that, like, he needs to go to for a while because nobody leaves that. They hear from God and just walk. This wasn't the craziest thing that Abram went through. This wasn't the craziest thing that Abraham went through. In fact, God asks him to do something even more insane, if you will, in Genesis 22. Let's take a look at this. This is much later in his life, and he, his name has changed. God's given him this great covenant that he gave and, and repeated over and over again in Genesis 12. And, and, and we see in Genesis 22, now he's an old man. And some of you are like, wait, he was 75 years old. That was old. Okay, he lived a little bit longer than people lived a little bit longer in that day than we did. Genesis 22, 1 through 14 says, after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abram, and he said, here am I. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abram, Abraham rose early in the morning. He saddled his donkey. He took two of his young men with him and his son, Isaac. He cut the wood for the burnt offering. He rose. He went out to the place which God had told him. And on the third day, on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes, and he saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to, the, to his young men, stay here. He says, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife, so they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, um, what is going on here, Dad? No, not really. He said, that was my interpretation. He says, my father, here I am, my son. He said, behold the fire and the wood, behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abram said, God will provide for himself the lamb for burnt offering, my son. So they went together, both of them. And when they came to the place, verse 9 says, which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there 
laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand, took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him and said, Abraham, Abraham, here. And he said, here am I. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything, he said to him. He said, I know, for now I know that you, you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket in his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place the Lord will provide, and it is to this day on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. See, this is the kind of story that if it would happen today, this would be, like, insane. This would be on every news outlet everywhere in the world. There'd be a, a movie made about this, and then there'd be a whole series that'd probably come out on Netflix a year later on this. Like, this guy heard from God, and God said, sacrifice your son as an offering. And Abraham did it. And I'm so shocked when I read it because not only would I have not probably loaded up the wood and the rope and not taken my son and not had everything I needed to provide this offering, after three days' journey, I would have thought about it and I would have said, I don't want to go to jail. I don't want to be called insane. I actually love my son. This is not the thing that Cullens do, okay? Like, I'm not doing this. I don't care where the orders came from. This is insane. And Abraham offered to God in the moment that he chose to go. He offered to God what was most valuable in order to obey God in what seemed most unreasonable at the time there are going to be things in your life in your spiritual journey you're going to go i think god is insane because he's asking me to do this and you see that's where this kind of intersection of our of our faith and what God is calling us to do meets it begins by saying when he when he had to take Isaac to to be offered up as an offering it, it said that God was testing Abraham and sometimes when we receive orders that we don't agree with sometimes those orders in themselves is a test of our faith to see if we're going to follow God to see if we are going to remain steadfast the offer Abraham Abraham did to God what was most valuable in order to obey God and what was most unreasonable. In both of those situations, there's a point in time where Abram, as he was called before the covenant, and Abraham, as he was called after the covenant, obeys God. I'm sure that we don't read about the conversation that Abram had with Sarai, his wife at the time, when they left their home place. I'm sure that it's, it's not in here when we, we read about, somebody may kind of come up with this, but I'm sure that there was a conversation between Abram and Sarai at that point in time when he said, hey, God has told us, and that meant all of us, to just go. Go where? 
I'm not really sure yet. Well, do you have a plan? No, not one at all, honey. Sorry. But God told us to do this. I'm sure that there were people and things that in his life seemed like there's no way this is right. It kind of, kind of like took what God had asked and made it even more unreasonable. But the orders were there. The thing was there. And we read in verse 4 of Genesis chapter 12 that Abram went. He went. He did the thing that God told him to do. And in Genesis 22, when the orders were even more ridiculous and seemed like they were more insane, more crazy, in Genesis 22, verse 3, when God says, go and find this mountain that I'm going to ask you to sacrifice your son on, Abram went. Abraham left and he took Isaac. And in that moment where we read that Abraham went, Abram went, and Abraham went to take his son, and he left the place that God told him to leave, I think that we can learn something from that. That at some point in time, it takes a huge amount of faith to be committed and steadfast to that thing that God has asked us to do that seems crazy. You see, in both of those situations, Abraham took action. He took action. I'm sure that he weighed all the different factors. I'm sure that he had a pros and cons list that he made in his mind. Or perhaps Sarah made him do that. I'm sure that there was discussion around the dinner table leading up to the time when he went, when Abraham left Haran, and when he left the place where he lived to take Isaac to be that offering. But at some point in time, Abraham chose to follow God. And for some of you today, there is a decision looming. There is something that you know that God has called you to do. And right now, you're in a situation where you have, you have thought about it, and you have thought about it, and you have thought about it, and you've weighed all the different things. And I want to encourage you and challenge you that right now, maybe God is just asking you to trust him enough to take action. See, remaining steadfast when trusting God seems crazy means taking action, being obedient. When Jeff was talking about some of the orders that he received that he didn't necessarily like, he said, made a comment in, in when I was talking to him about sometimes you just go. Sometimes you just do that thing that he's asked you to do. And I loved what you said, Jeff, because God is faithful to figure out all the details past whatever that thing is that he wants you to do. He is faithful. He is sovereign. He is in control to the point where he knows exactly what the ramifications are of that decision are going to be you and I listen I want you to hear this we don't have to figure it out all God asks us to do is to go is to take action and I would imagine that today there's more than one person in this room that's been waiting for the green light of the orders to all fall in place everything's just got to be perfect I get it I get it I understand that but sometimes 
remaining steadfast is just taking action. It's just following the orders that God has given us. Father, I thank you so much for your word. God, I thank you that um, you had a guy like Abraham, who we know of today as the father of this great nation. We sing about him. We tell stories about him. God, this man who was unwavering, it seemed, in his faith. And God, in his life, there were several decisions that he made that um, were questionable. Several decisions when he chose to not follow you. Several decisions when he received the orders and decided to do it his own way. Maybe he thought it, it was really crazy what you were asking him to do. But in these two circumstances, God, is, as crazy as it sounded, as ridiculous as it seemed to Abraham and everyone around him, at the end of the day, we see his faithfulness in the fact that he just took action. He chose to go. And God, right now, I want to pray for those who are in this room who are Christ followers, and there is something that's been looming that you've been asking them to do, and it's difficult, and it may not be a move across the country or around the world. It may be simply, it may be as simple as, as, as making a phone call this afternoon, a phone call that may, they think may cause them great pain, but God, you're asking them right now to do it, and remaining steadfast to you and doing what you tell us to do just means taking action maybe it means reconciling with a friend maybe it means asking someone for forgiveness or maybe it means walking in the forgiveness that someone else has already asked or has already already reached out to you on maybe it means um i don't know maybe it means standing up for yourself and for God in your workplace or in your school students or with that friend that's asking you to do something that you know is not consistent with what God's word says. Maybe it is a move across country. Maybe God is calling you into some kind of full-time Christian service or maybe he's calling you into a different location or industry and you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're supposed to do this but you just have really struggled with the courage to to take action I want to I want to tell you this today with every head bowed and every eye closed um, you deciding to trust your father your heavenly father um, you can't go wrong with that decision he will guide you he will figure out the details if you have clearly heard from him and the only thing that you haven't done is just the action. Now's the time. Don't wait any longer. For those of you who made an all-in commitment here at the church over the past few weeks, for the next two years to be a part of something big in the life of our church, and you've been wavering on that, or perhaps you wrote something down that was smaller than the number that God asked you to, to write down, maybe for you, man, it means going back and trusting God with something that's, that's different, that's larger, that's more significant. Maybe it means turning into a, a card altogether. Maybe it means 
getting your financial world in order. Maybe it means spending time with him every day and diving into his word so that you know it like Jeff talked about earlier. What's that thing? What are those orders that God has given you that you haven't yet taken action on? Today's the day to do it. Don't let any more time go by because you can trust him. He is our father. He's the one that will take care of us. Father God, I thank you for those who are gathered here today. And God, however you're working in the life of your church in this place, however your Holy Spirit is leading, God, I pray that we, myself included, we, your people, would be attentive to the orders that you're giving us right now, to the orders that you've given us in the past that we haven't acted on. God, I pray that today we would overcome our fear, that we would overcome that lack of courage because we trust you so much that we are going to say yes to you today, that we are going to reach out and trust you, God, that we are going to trust that you are a good, good father that will take care of all the details of our lives. Whatever that thing is that God's asking you to do, don't wait any longer. It's time to take action. Today, if you want to pray with me or with uh, Pastor Scott, he's down by the cross. I think we might have some folks who... Um, can pray with you down there. I'm going to be on the other side of the stage. If you want to pray about that thing, we'd be glad to do that this morning. Father, I pray that you will help us to trust you as that father that you are. God, that father that Abraham trusted you to be. And God, I pray that we would walk in the freedom of knowing that we are following you. In Jesus' name I pray.